Brendan Staunton, you're an Irish Jesuit, you're a psychotherapist with a huge interest in art and have lectured on art and psychotherapy. And you were invited to the opening of the wonderful exhibition in the National Gallery in Ireland, Beyond Caravaggio. I want to talk to you about the exhibition itself, but perhaps for our listeners, you might remind them that we, the Jesuits in Ireland, have given on indefinite loan The Taking of Christ by Caravaggio to the National Gallery. Can you tell us about that painting? It's a good story about how it came to arrive in the National Gallery via the Jesuits. It's an amazing story. The Mattei family, Caravaggio, was his reputation was high at the time in Rome, and Rome was a turbulent place at the time and a thriving place as well. They commissioned the painting, and it was in their family for years and years and years, but then they went bankrupt, and it came. It ended up in Scotland. It was bought by a family in Scotland, and then they went bankrupt. And then Lee Wilson, who was an avid art collector, bought it and brought it to Dublin. Then her husband was killed, and... He was killed in the War of Independence. Yeah, exactly. He was... Uh, he was an RIC kind of spy and uh, Liam Tobin was commissioned by Michael Collins to kill him, which he did. And then his wife went to Jesuit and Leeson Street for counselling after that traumatic event, obviously. This was Maria Leah Wilson. Yeah. And uh, Maria Leah Wilson then gave the painting to the Jesuits and it hung on Leeson Street for years and years, but under the name von Hunthorst who was commercially more viable than Caravaggio because he was more conventional and he painted night scenes. So it looked like a Caravaggio, but it wasn't. It hung in the refugee there for years and years, but at that time, Jesuit smoked after dinner, so it was very dusty and cloudy. But Noel Barber decided to get the refugee painted and sent the painting to the National Gallery to be cleaned. And it just so happened there was a man there from Florence, Sergio Benedetti, who was an expert in the 17th century and a Caravaggio um, expert. And as he was cleaning it, he began to ask himself, I've seen this before. Now, it was known there were copies of this theme, The Taking of Christ, the betrayal in the Garden of Gethsemane. But they thought the original was in Odessa. But as Benedetti cleaned it over two, three years, he began to ask himself the right questions. And eventually he found an art historian in Italy who went to Scotland and in the archives there found the auctioneer's documentation of when the painting was sold in Scotland. Then they realised the name had been changed and this was a Caravaggio. So the next step then was to prove it was the original and that, that came about another year later. And then, of course, uh, Phil Harnett was provincial at the time. And I remember he phoning me in London saying, Brendan, uh, I'm going to be up all weekend with lawyers because an Italian journalist has just phoned saying he's going to break the news that these Jesuits have an original Caravaggio. So we're going to give it to the gallery and the nation, but on indefinite, not permanent loan. And they were up all night working out that legal distinction, which means if the gallery ever go bankrupt and they can't sell it. Right, so it'll always be in the Irish nation. Exactly. So tell me about the Caravaggio. You, you, as a painter, what was so special about him and the paintings that are hanging up in, in the gallery? Well, he was very special because he, he broke the barriers of space between a painting and a viewer. 
What went before him was the Renaissance, which was a fantastic achievement in terms of perspective and the vanishing point and being able to tell a narrative story, a three-dimensional story on a flat canvas. That was a huge achievement which led to people like Michelangelo and Raphael. If you look at a painting by Raphael, say, The School of Athens, it's out there, it's in the past, it's Greek culture. But if you look at Caravaggio, it's out in front of you. In the paintings, you'll have hands reaching out, You'll have stools entering into our space. So he was the first to kind of say, bring the Bible alive in the sense that these events are happening here and now. So what he did was he never drew. He just painted life scenes. Uh, Somebody said he made high art out of low life because this exhibition is full of gamblers and prostitutes and thieves and musicians and drinkers and pub scenes and... Uh, violence and and, uh, it's like a Scorsese film you know it's so visceral that's what made him special that he was a transitional figure I mean what Caravaggio did they say without Caravaggio's uh, paintings we'd never have Rembrandt because the light and the dark that he introduced. Yeah that's a big thing the light and shade in the Caravaggio and you see that in the taking of Christ very much so. And one of the good things about this exhibition is you have four original Caravaggios and then 34 of his followers. And all the followers, the light source is obvious. People are holding candles or that's coming through. But with the Caravaggios, you don't know where the source of light is coming from because it's coming from within. And that's in the second painting in the exhibition is a little young boy, adolescent boy, surrounded by a lovely bowl of luscious fruit being bitten by a lizard. And he's in agony. And I think that the whole tradition of idealism, Caravaggio is biting into. You know, he's saying, ugliness, what's wrong with ugliness? What's wrong with everyday life? The Bible happened. It's happening now. And therefore, all his character, the apostles are travellers. All the women are local women he knew in Naples or Rome. And of course, that was a massive change because the subjects of art before that would have been much more either from the Greek tradition exactly. or high life. Exactly, high life and modelling on Greek sculptures and, you know, the apostles were heroic figures. And But Caravaggio, the, his apostles have dirty nails and they have furrowed brows and they have dirty feet. and It's grimy and gritty and gutsy. I'm thinking of St. Ignatius, the finding of God in all things. And, I mean, Ignatius nearly went after the Moor to kill him in that famous story when the Moor insulted Our Lady and he was going to go down the road and then his mule went the other way and he followed the mule instead. Caravaggio actually did commit murder, isn't that right? He spent most of his life on the run. I mean, he always carried a sword. He wasn't a guy you'd go on holidays with, but... um, no revolutionary is. I mean, I wouldn't fancy a holiday with Darwin or Freud or Galileo or any of these transitional figures. Because with Caravaggio, when you think of it, led to Velasquez and Rembrandt and Impressionism, who painted everyday scenes. So the move from idealism to naturalism to realism is all there in this exhibition. And you're, you're at the bridge, you're at the crossing point. So you have the Caravaggios. And then it's beyond Caravaggio, so I presume there are other people. And I, I know there's a picture, Caravaggio's taken of Christ, that's one Christ, but you were saying that there are eight Christs in the different paintings yes. that are featured there. Tell us about the rest of the exhibition and those Christs. Of the 40 paintings there, the four Caravaggios and those by his followers, the Caravaggisti, 
uh, we have the taking of Christ, we have the supper at Amos, we have the rest into Egypt where Christ is suckling his mother's breast, we have Christ teaching the philosophers and doctors in the temple with an amazing, the hand gesture is the very gesture that Donald Trump uses in his speeches, the, the forefinger and the thumb together. And there's another, then Christ showing his wounds as a bloody scene. Then there's Christ with the tribute, the story of the tribute, the money and the taxes. And then the von Hanthorst one where he's been accused by the high priest, which is also in the room where our painting is hanging. And it's a very large painting with a candle on the table and the high priest with a accusing finger pointed at Christ and Caravaggio brings it out the pointing finger he has three fingers pointing at himself you know when you accuse someone else it's also to do with yourself and a lot of the if you know the more you know about Caravaggio's own life the more you'll appreciate these paintings there's one by a woman about Susanna and the elders and it's amazingly topical she was bathing in her garden, a beautiful, virtuous woman, and these two leering elders spied on her and eventually tried to seduce her. And she refused, and they said, well, we're going to spread the rumour that you're an adulterer, which they did. She was falsely accused. Topical. <laughs> and, but ultimately she was proved her innocence emerged. They had a tribunal, and the two leering elders got punished. But in that scene... It echoes so much with Caravaggio's life. I mean, he was, as you said, he had a murder and uh, he had a stabbing and he, that's why he was on the run, why he ended up in Malta. Uh, but he eventually had, he, see, two cardinals were his patrons and they kind of uh, rescued him in a way and kept him going and commissioned his paintings. It's not a great exhibition in the sense that most of the best Caravaggios are in churches so they can't be moved. And this one is confined to loan to Ireland, Scotland, England and Wales. But it's still well worth seeing because you do get a flavour of that transitional moment in the history of art when we turned from the idealism of the high renaissance and Greek culture to the everyday experience of low life. And he transformed that low life into high art. That's amazing, isn't it? That, yeah. you know, one person whose own life was so flawed, as, as you say, and who, you know, were, was in those taverns and did the drinking and the gambling and whatever that, I mean, I'm not maligning him, but I think that is what I remember of his mm-hmm. life, am I right? That's right. That nonetheless he could make something so beautiful because I do remember walking into the National Gallery to see the taking of Christ and it was hanging up against the this wall at the back and it really was a wow moment where you just, it knocks you right in the face. I mean, it was worth just to go to the gallery to see that alone. Mm-hmm. And now to have a good selection. How many paintings would there be there in all? 40 altogether. And you're dead right, Pat, because I was on the bus going to the exhibition for the second time and there were two families in front of me. What were they talking about? Caravaggio. That they had had that kind of wow moment. <laughs> It'll be great for people all around the country to go and see. The von Honthorst you mentioned there, who originally the, the Caravaggio that the Jesuits had, they thought it might have been a von Honthorst. What does he look like in juxtaposition to Caravaggio's work? Oh, on the surface, they look very similar. But when you look more closely, you can see there's a huge difference between talent and genius. You know, von Honthorst is copying Caravaggio. Mm. He's imitating Whereas Caravaggio is doing something that had never been done before. He's an innovator. Now, innovators are uncomfortable people, 
but his his innovation, not just in the subject matter, which was very traditional in a way because it's textual, it's narrative. You need to know your Bible to get anything out of this exhibition. You need to know the story of Suzanne and the elders, for example. So it's very traditional that way, but it's the manner, the chiaroscuro, the light and the dark, set in, in pubs and taverns and gambling casinos and, you know, in everyday life. Not with Socrates and Plato and in mm. Raphael's School of Athens, for example. Any pictures that struck you in particular, Brendan? Yes, well, with my background, I approach an exhibition like this on three levels. First of all, what are the art historians telling me about it? The who, what, how, where and when? They answer all those questions. Secondly, contextualising the painting, when it appeared... And this is, in the early 17th century, was the birth of our modern world. But a psychoanalyst would look at the painting from a different angle. They would try to explain the effect it has on people. And there's one particular painting I was very struck by. It's uh, Tobias and the Angel. And the angel is leading Tobias, holding his right hand. And you see that, and they're looking at each other. And then you kind of turn away from the painting and in the bottom right-hand corner, Tobias is holding a large fish and has a huge eye and it's looking straight out at you. So, I mean, that's um, a Freudian reading of painting. Why painting elevates us and enlightens us is that it relaxes our gaze. So the look at that fish is very striking, but it's powerful because now you're beyond the visual look into the scopic level where you are looked at, you are gazed at, you are the object of the painting. You are not a spectator. It's happening now, it's involving you, your own psychic, psychological level and spiritual level, and you can't but participate. That's amazing, because I'm thinking of Newtonian physics being overthrown in more recent times since Einstein with the physics of participation that we're all involved and we're all affected yeah. by the different atoms rather than something static yeah. with the, you know, the subject and the object. Yeah. And so you're saying that really we have here a, a painter who is way ahead of his time in realising and understanding that, way ahead of his time in terms of Freud and the, the psychoanalysts that in a condensed way mm. that vision is there. What I love about this exhibition is, and Caravaggio in particular, I mean, he's not my favourite by any means, but he, it's his anticipatory context. He's starting something that opened the path to modern art, that opened up huge avenues and broke the barriers of the space between us and painting, which Renaissance art had created that barrier. Because if you didn't know your Greek mythology, you'd be lost in most Renaissance art or your Bible. But with Caravaggio, you don't have to know the history. All you need to know is your own contemporary existence, because it's all there. What Caravaggio does is he gets you to see, he gets you to participate in it. Like the apostle in the supper at Amos, when they recognise Christ in the breaking of the bread, one guy leaps out of his chair, and the other guy reaches out, and you can almost touch his hand. The first painting in the exhibition was a young boy peeling fruit. You can almost taste the fruit. It's that fresh, it's his immediacy. That was his genius, to be able to bring the story alive in the here and now, implying that it's happening in the here and now. <laughs> 